Rest of mine. It's a big red one. It's not big. It's not. It's not fair. I don't know. There's a little. There was a little fair out recording mic on it. Okay. There we go. Otherwise, I would have known. So, okay, that's the last time. I'm going to try to so that that be the last time that I say so because I tend to do that a lot. <coughs> what? Am I not projecting enough? Okay, so I'm going to sound really loud to you. I'm not shouting at you. It's for the people in the... It's for you. Oh, is it for you? Could Jan not hear me? But that's age. That's not... That's not, that's not anything else. But yeah, with the kids playing outside, I'll project. God often speaks to me without ever having spoken to me. I've never heard the voice of God <coughs> from heaven with, I would imagine, light and angels. Oh, and then you hear the voice of God. Um, so when I say God speaks to me, it's not that. Uh, he uses the most, <laughs> often the most mundane things, or you would think the most mundane things to speak to us. And one of the things that happened this week, my time to listen to music is when I'm driving to work. And I've got my iTunes on random. And I heard a song, uh, well, some of you might actually know her, some of you are way too young. Uh, Rebecca St. James has a song, Me Without You. Uh, and it got me thinking. But before that, before we go on with this, I'm going to pray and then I'm going to give you a moment of silence with background noise, obviously, to think about, if you think about your life without God, if God was not a part of your life, what would your life be? Would it be different? Would you feel different? Okay, so I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to give you a few moments, and then all of us are going to testify about that. I'm kidding, We're not, I'm not going to ask you to tell me about it, unless you want to. Okay. Lord God, thank you for a morning with, with friends, with fellow believers. Thank you for kids playing. Thank you for their energy and their optimism and their joy. Thank you for the inspiration that they can be to us. Sometimes an intimidating inspiration, but an inspiration. Thank you for your presence here and everywhere. As we gather around your word, as we gather as friends, Speak to us. May the message that you placed on my heart hit home. I pray that it be what everyone here needs to hear and that you will help them to carry it through into the week ahead, into the weeks ahead. Lord, we gather around you and around your word 
And we ask that you inspire us, that you open our ears and our hearts through your Holy Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so take a minute or two and think about what your life would be. The reason why I asked you this question is how many of you know the song Me Without You from Rebecca St. James? (laughs) Johan was afraid to put up his hand. I've just named and shamed. It's not shame, it's wonderful. Um, As I was listening to the song, I'm going to read you um, the essay because obviously you can hear from the title Me Without You. It's about, it's describing what her life would be like without God. So I'm only going to read you the um, examples she uses. And um, she starts with like a band without a drummer, which we all know is a total disaster. And um, we, I was just thinking about, we had the privilege of going to see 30 Seconds to Mars live. And then Shannon, their drummer, was ill, so they had to use backtracks. And it was still cool, but it's not the same if you don't have a drummer. Like a year without a summer, like a king without a country, like a room without a view, like a fatherless son, like a ship without a rudder, like a child without its mother, like a story with no ending, like a foot without a shoe, like a wasted feast, like a faithless priest. That's me without you. Like a war without an enemy, a disease without a remedy, a crime without a victim, a sleuth, detective, for those of you who don't understand dramatic English, without a clue, that's me without you. And as I was listening to this, I realized what she's speaking about the, the intensity, the level of intensity of what being without God is. A ship without a rudder is a shipwreck that's only taking its time to happen. A child without its mother, if you think about new babies, if they were to be left alone, 
you will die, they will die if they do not have somebody to care for them. And I realized that personal confession time, that I don't necessarily think I can say the same. I can't, if I think about me without God, it's more of an intellectual question. I think about what would my life be without God? And it's not this, it's not a guttural, a gut feeling. It's not a, it's not like, for example, if I have a Sarl who I married to and Sarl were to not be here anymore. That is a, the level of the gut, the nausea in my gut I feel when I think about that, the fear, the, I don't, that's not what I feel when I think about the concept of what my life would be without God. Which made me realize that then there might be an intimacy problem in my relationship with God. Because if our relationship with God is what it should be, then that is what our lives would be like without Him. Um, I don't know if any of you guys want, are you willing to share what you thought while thinking about the question? If you're not, it's also fine. Okay, I can see sharing is a problem today. <laughs> it's not, it's okay, because it's a, it's a, it's a, yes, right. I think I feel quite similar. Okay. So, speaking for that. Um, I thought my day-to-day probably wouldn't, you know, but it's more those moments of emptiness or the difficult times or, you know, there's time to make a life all about and you make the stars. It's that, those moments and Gosh, yeah, be lost. Yes, yes. And I think that's true for my... Oh, Tio, yes, go. Do you want to say? I, I, I actually thought about it a while, while ago as well. Like, what... Especially because I've got a lot of friends that, that was Christians and became atheists. Yes. And that whole concept, and I was thinking to myself, what, what would I do in, in that situation? And it is quite terrifying. Mm. And... <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a it's a weird feeling. Mm. Yes. Johan. I, I just thought I would be terrified of dying. <laughs> because then you would be dying without God. Mm. And and if there was no God then you would just cease to exist. Yes. Yes. That's also thanks for the um thanks for the practical because yes, in concept it can be terrifying, but um, I also thought about what would it mean if I were to take away God in terms of my practical everyday today living. Because I think we are, well, we're all very busy, um, whether it's with kids or just with life. Um, because whatever stage you're in, you feel there is, you are dying of the amount of things you have to do. <laughs> but, so we're all busy and we're all... Um, on the go, and I realize there are, there are not a lot of times where I focus in, in the day and think, and I'm not talking about the God, please find me a parking space. We're not talking about that kind of being aware of God, but to just realize that I'm not alone in this day. I don't have to think about these things on my own. I don't have to stress alone. Um, those practical things, because I don't think it would make, in my life I realized it wouldn't make that much of a difference. 
And that also made me think of, and it's interesting that you talked about your friends, because I also have quite a few friends who, um, and I think it's good. It's good to have those people in your life, those people who don't think like you. But I wondered, if that is true of my life, how much of a witness am I in their lives? Um, because if it doesn't really make that much of a difference, then is it something that they see or not? So, yeah, there it goes again. Thanks, Arnold. I heard myself. That made me think of, especially the last, the last while in third place, we've been talking a lot about what our relationship with God means and what it should lead to. We talk about the fact that uh, our hashtag for this um, period has been salvation, hospitality equals salvation. So it's all about what we do, um, how we are with the people around us, and not just the people close to you or the people you know, not your comfort zone, the people that are out of your comfort zone. Which is true and it's honorable and it's good and all of those things, but I realized if if this isn't okay, not meaning my actual heart, but if our, if our relationship with God is not where it's supposed to be, then it becomes very difficult to live. It, it becomes a forced thing to live out and to do things because you're not feeling it in yourself. And that's what made, what led me to well, no, I can't say that's what led me to. Ironically, ironically, um, I'm busy with the fifth-year students uh, with all of the small letters that uh, few of us know about, like, like um, Jude, uh, which is a page long, so if you, if you page quickly through the New Testament, you'll miss it. But the wonderful thing is all of these they had to do an assignment where they had to talk about, all of them got one of the books, and they had to talk about the theology of the book. And this was right after, it was the same day that I listened to this song. They had their feedback. <laughs> and I hate it when God speaks to you like that. It's one of those, and I don't know if you ever experienced this, but sometimes you pray for things and then you get answers. People talking to you, a song you hear, a thing you read. And you're like, please, I don't need this answer. This is not the answer I was looking for. And you try and ignore it, but it keeps on coming back. Which brought me to 1 Peter. Uh, I'm going to read a few verses from it. So, and I'm going to read from the Good News translation. So you don't have to follow, you can listen. 1 Peter is um, the book in the Bible, the letter in the Bible that is associated with works, faith and works. Because it says, you cannot have faith if you don't have works. If your faith does not lead into deeds, then you, are, then you don't have faith. Uh, because a lot of people will say, but I have faith, and then their lives don't attest to that faith. And then he says, well, then you, you don't have faith. And then a lot of people will say, they look at 1 Peter and they'll say, but what about what Paul teaches us? Because Paul's letters are all about, it's not about what you do, it's about what you believe. Faith is what rescues you, faith is what brings salvation. 
you, it's not about the works that you do. And then you think, okay, so Paul says it's about faith, not works. 1 Peter says it, you can't have faith if you don't have works. I can um, calm you down immediately by saying when people talk like that, um, and a lot of pastors will preach like that, they are misunderstanding both Paul and, one, and Peter. Because what Paul is talking about when he says it's grace that saves you, not works, he's talking about the works of the law. In other words, obeying the law to be saved. So he's talking about those people who thought that the Jewish law and obeying the Jewish law will save you. And more than that, if you obey the Jewish law, because remember, there were lots of Jewish Christians. Well, not as many, but there were Jewish Christians, and then you had Gentile Christians who were heathens. And it would often happen that those Jewish Christians would then say, but we're a little bit better than you guys, because we do obey the law. So our obeying of the law brings us a little bit closer to God than you are. We're, we're a step higher. We can say, hi, from up here. That is what Paul is talking against. He's, he's saying you can't use, even if you are a Jewish Christian and you do obey the law, you can't use that as a reason to lord it over other people, to say that you are better than them. And you can't say that that is what saves you. Because let's be honest, we as humans, we love having... It feels great to be able to say, I've done something in order to deserve something. That's how it works. I mean, that's what we are trained from very small to think and to do. If you do this, then you get this and you deserve it. And that's the irony of faith. You can't do anything to deserve it. So we hear that and then we think, okay, thank you for the salvation, but I would really prefer a list of things that I can just tick off at the end of the day and think, yes, that was a good day. I deserve the faith that I have. I deserve the salvation that I got. So that's Paul. That's what he's saying. But Paul also says, yes, we are saved by grace. But because we are saved by grace, because this grace is such an immense grace, it cannot stay only in us. It has to be shared. Not because we, we feel forced to do it, but because it is so much, it is so big within us that we can't, not, we, we cannot not share it. It overflows from us, which is also something that we struggle with, especially all of us who grew up in Christian households. We are used to, oh yes, God saved me, Jesus Christ died. It's all of those ones. We know those things, but how often do we feel those things? Um, I... I often think we are a sports-mad country, and in Pretoria, we are a rugby-mad city. And I think about it like a sports match. If you're watching your favorite team play, and they get, well, if it's soccer, they kick a goal. If it's rugby, they, they um, have a try. They, what, do, what do you say? They score, score a try. Thank you. You can see I'm not a rugby fan. I'm sorry, Pretoria. They score a try. What happens? This is your favorite team. You don't sit there. Oh, wow, that was wonderful. That was great. And then you, what happens? You stand up and you scream 
And for the next week after that, that's all everybody talks about. Did you see the game? Did you see that? That was amazing. That is how salvation is supposed to be. And that is how we are supposed to talk about salvation. Because it's even more awesome than your team winning. And that's exactly what one Peter is also talking about when he says, faith without works is dead. Not that you are not going to be saved because God's grace, luckily, is larger than that. But he questions your faith. Because if your faith does not lead to this kind of living, which is not worship as a lifestyle, standing at the bus stop, wherever you are, with your hands in the air. No? No, Peter. One Peter. James also talks about that. But James, James is, um, has other wisdoms. That in James you have things like the tongue. The tongue is very dangerous, which we all know. Gossip is a dangerous thing. So now we're in 1 Peter. And if you don't have a faith that leads to passion and, and enthusiasm and a flowing over of love, then do you really have faith? Are you really experiencing God in your life? And he has a wonderful thing that he talks about. In 1 Peter 1, um, verse 3, he talks about the fact, Let us give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of his great mercy, he gave us new life by raising Jesus Christ from death. This fills us with a living hope. And so we look forward to possessing the rich blessings that God keeps for his people. They are for you who through faith are kept safe by God's power for the salvation which is ready to be revealed at the end of time. And then he talks about the fact that we should be glad about this living hope even though we might suffer. Because suffering is a refining process. Like you have gold or silver when you want to get pure gold or pure, pure silver, it has to go through fire. It has to be heated up to get rid of all of the um, metals that also sit as part of the gold ore to be able to get the gold. So it's a, it's a refining process that helps you to become the gold that you should be. Or the platinum. You don't have to be gold. You can be platinum. You can be silver. The precious metal that you're supposed to be. And... He talks about the fact that we love Jesus Christ and we believe in Him even if we haven't seen Him. And because we believe in Him even though we haven't seen Him, we rejoice with a great and glorious joy which words cannot express because you are receiving the salvation of your souls, which is the purpose of your faith in Him. He talks about the prophets that prophesied about the salvation and that they never saw the coming true of it. Because remember... It came true in Jesus Christ's life and in his death and resurrection. So all of the prophets of the Old Testament, um, all of the heroes of the Old Testament, believed in this promise of God that he is going to do something special, but never saw the, how, it was, how it was going to be fulfilled. And yet they still believed. And then he goes to a call, uh, a call not to arms, a call to holy living. So then, have your minds ready for action. Keep alert 
and set your hope completely on the blessing which will be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. Be obedient to God and do not allow your lives to be shaped by those desires you had when you were still ignorant, which is basically selfishness in the, in the first place. Instead, be holy in all that you do, just as God who called you is holy. The scripture says, be holy because I am holy. You call him Father when you pray to God, who judges all people by the same standard according to what each one has done. So, then, spend the rest of your lives here on earth in reverence for him. And then he goes on to, he goes on to talk about what that holiness is, because when we hear the word holy, uh, I don't know about you, but I often associate holiness with the obeying of the law, with being perfect. So when we talk about being holy, it means we need to be perfect. But actually when you read 1 Peter further, when he talks about what God's holiness is, it's his sacrifice. The fact that he was willing to become, to become flesh, to die, to live a life like we live lives, in these flesh sacks, which can often, um, they, can, uh, they can disappoint us. They, can, they limit us in a lot of ways. He lived like this. He died like this to be resurrected. That is what holiness is, is sacrifice. So just that as a little thought. And then I read a post, a Facebook post. Yes, Facebook can also be a place where God speaks to you. It can also be the den of all unholiness and craziness. So this is where discretion is really important. But one of my, he's a mentor of mine, he posted a beautiful post um, on meditation and silence. I hate when you're, you are on the right thing and then when you go out of the app it goes away. Then you speak again to it. Luckily it's not far. He talks about um, one of the big guys in um, Christian meditation is Thomas Merton. So if you ever get the chance to read a book of Thomas Merton, if you ever get the chance to read, a, eh, if you've got a young family, and... Um, if you get the chance to then read Thomas Merton, do so. But he talks about a thought that he gets from Thomas Merton, which is all about the fact that in times of suffering, but also in times of joy, all that we really need is silence and the sacrament. And then he says in his own thoughts, so he thinks we, all we really need to do, all we actually need to do, is to stop Stop praying, praying as in talking at God. We need to stop blowing um, ram's horns. We need to stop gathering in places and mass praying. What we need to do is we need to start becoming silent before God. Because when we are silent, then we can hear God. When we are praying and speaking and when we're doing all of these things we are doing them and we are not creating a space for God to speak to us 
we are when we're silent, we're creating that space and creating an awareness within ourselves to start listening for God. And then it happens that you hear God speaking to you without Him speaking to you. Because you are now aware and you have a different perspective, you are really starting, because we often pray, Lord, help us see the world and people through your eyes, help us to understand your purpose with them. But if we don't create space in our lives where we actually spend time with the one whose eyes we want to have, then how are we going to see like him? Which leads me to how do we practice silence? Uh, I don't know how many of you have done meditation before. Have any of you done meditation before? A little bit-ish. Okay. Uh, we are not going to try and do meditation now, uh, but I'm going to talk about the process. I remember, I'm somebody who never stops thinking, never. So when I, when I heard the words meditation and a part of meditation is trying to think of nothing. Yeah, I, I was like, get out, I laughed. But I laughed on the inside because this was part of a retreat process. So you can't laugh on the outside because then people will think you're funny, which is whatever. But then this, it was the same guy who I just read his thoughts of, he was the one that led us through the process, and it started making sense. The wonderful thing is, for us who are starting out, um, you don't need to be a guru of meditation. If you, if you start with a minute, it's not about how long you do it, it's about what happens when you do. Uh, funny story, he has been doing meditation much longer than all of us have, and he was, he, um, he's got a, a great love for the Orthodox Church, the, uh, the, well actually the Coptic Church, which is the Egyptian Orthodox Church. So he has gone and visited monasteries, and he was in a monastery, and he was talking to the junior priest, one of the junior priests, who was baking bread. And as you do, you know the not comparing yourself to others that we are, we are told to do but we love to do. He was standing and talking and he, because he was, he was at a full 10 minutes of meditation without really thinking of anything. So that's next level. And so he wanted to kind of find out where this junior, he's a junior priest, where this junior priest was so that he could compare because he thought, man, I, I'm doing great. And the junior priest didn't really want to tell him he didn't really want to get into the conversation, but Yuan being the Yuan, not this Yuan, Yuan being who he is, he kept on asking the question in different ways, and then in the end the priest said, okay, um, I'm not very good at it. Uh, I'm, I'm still very at the beginning of this process. I can only do three days. <laughs> <laughs> and then your ten minutes goes like this. So... It's not about, it's about the quality of the meditation. And hopefully, once you start practicing this in your life, even if you start with a minute or five minutes, it'll, you'll feel the benefits of it and it might, you might want it to become more. Or you might want it to stay five minutes. So what happens when we do this? How do you meditate? 
how do you, because also meditation can sound like something that only Buddhists are supposed to do. There are some people who think that meditation is new age. And it can be. How do we do this? Most important thing is, especially for those with kids, <clears throat> try and find a quiet spot. So you might have to do this in the car or at work when you, just before you go make yourself some coffee. And sit comfortably. Sitting comfortably means having your hands on your lap so that you're not tense in any way. And um, if you know that it's, it's been a very difficult morning or a difficult day, week, then allow yourself to relax first. So as you're sitting, you're just going to go through relaxation. That's fine. It's, you need, it needs to get out of there. You're just going to go through small relaxations like if you feel your, sh your shoulders are tense, then just tense them up and let them go. Tense them up and let them go. The same with any of the muscle groups that you feel. You can go through your whole body like that. You can start with your neck and just roll it around and go from there to your shoulders, to your arms, to your body. Make sure you're sitting up straight so that you can have lots of breathing space. And once you feel like you are comfortable and relaxed, you simply close your eyes. What often helps before you do this, um, especially when you're new to this, is you might have a text that you're reading or that you read and one of the words or one of the sentences stood out to you. To have that, and as you close your eyes, to have that in your mind and to keep on repeating it. So, or you might have a prayer, or when it gets to a later stage, I know that Yuan, and I also love that, um, has a phrase, he uses Kirieleson, which is, Lord, be gracious, Lord be gracious. So, a phrase, it can be a piece of a Bible verse, it can be a Bible verse, it can be a prayer, it can be a phrase like that, to say, Lord save me, that you close your eyes with and you repeat that. And you repeat that until you start feeling that your breathing comes deeper, you are starting to relax. So, it's not like you have to go into the silence and think of nothing. You think of a specific thing. And that's why it's not non-Christian, because you're thinking about a verse or a sentence or you're praying a sentence. And then once you start feeling that you're relaxing, you are going to try to, be, to leave that sentence and just be quiet. How does that work? And this is a beautiful thing for those of us who are always so active in our heads that we can't, we can't imagine stopping thinking. It's not about stopping your thoughts. Because for me to say, stop thinking, get out, is for you to just go 100 miles an hour. Um, it's about a good example, if you're not afraid of water, is thinking of floating in water in a river. And you're floating along, and your thoughts are like boats passing by. What we tend to do is we, the moment the boat comes past, we swim to it and we look into it and say, what is in this boat? And then we start thinking about it. What you need to do when you're trying to be silent is imagine, okay, yes, I'm seeing the boat, I'm seeing the thought, but I'm letting it pass by me. Do you hear the difference of trying to think, I'm 
I'm not thinking of anything, I'm not thinking of anything, I'm not thinking of anything, to silence and, oh, okay, there's a thought about I need to call this person, <coughs> letting it go. Uh, okay, next thought, um, I'm so looking forward to my mom's uh, brunch, let it go. So you still, you, you have the thought and you acknowledge the fact that you have the thought and then you let it go. And if, you've, if you find yourself really struggling with letting those thoughts go, then you go back to praying the word or thinking about the verse that you were thinking about. And that you do for, if you try it for one minute, if you start out with one minute, um, five minutes. What also helps is to set yourself an alarm at the beginning for however long you've decided you're going to try to do this process. So if you're going to try for a minute, a minute's a bit short, maybe do three minutes. Um, if you're going to try for three minutes or five minutes, then you set an alarm. Don't set the alarm that sounds like when it goes off because that's going to ruin your... Yeah, look, I mean, I even got her attention. That's going to ruin the moment because you've just actually gotten to a place of calm and then you frighten yourself out of it. So find the soft bell sound or the, yes, exactly. You actually do get meditation timers that have bells and things. I have one of those on my phone. What does that do? If you don't do that, you're going to constantly be thinking, how long has this been? How long has this been? How long has this been? That's also a way of distracting yourself with thinking of things and also thinking, I think this has been a minute. I think this has been 15 minutes and then it's only been three seconds. So if you set a timer, you know that the timer is going to go off. So before then, you don't have to worry that you are going over time or how long it's been. It makes it easier to just be in the process. This is something that all of us need to start doing. Why? Because this is the only space, that the space you create there is the only space really in our lives where we are silent and waiting. How often, does, how often does God say, wait on me, wait on the Lord and I will speak to you. And he doesn't speak to us in storms, in voices from heaven. He speaks to us most often in silence. We want to live lives that overflow with goodness and grace and mercy and love for the people around us. Not a forced goodness and grace and mercy and love, something that flows forth from us. But for us to be able to reach that point, we need to spend more time in silence with God so that He is able to fill us. Otherwise, we're constantly saying, please, Lord, use me. Please, Lord, fill me. Please, Lord, do this, do this, do this, do this. But we're never creating a space for him to actually do that. So he's always, uh, uh, because we, he's waiting to give it to us, and then we go on to the next thing. And that's what I wanted to talk to you guys about. Please go and try it. Um, and see, uh, like I said, I think a minute is a little bit especially once you, if you start out, maybe three minutes, five minutes would be good. Um, three minutes if you've got kids and you like, for example, Danelle, who is at home with new baby. If she is actually sleeping, then you can do a quick three minutes. Um, let's try and bring that into our lives as a discipline. 
because only then will we will we really be able to overflow. Yes, Tim. There's an app called Headspace. Yeah. Really helps you with this. What's that? Headspace. Headspace. Yeah. The app is called Headspace. <laughs> Thank you, Tim. Um, and with that, I'm going to pray for us. Our Father, what a privilege it is to be able to call you Father. To have that intimate connection with you. A more intimate connection than some of us might even have with our own real fathers, our physical fathers here on earth. What a privilege it is to have a living hope. Hope that cannot, that will never die. Because death has been won. Our world is such a busy world. Our lives are so full of things. And if we let the world go at it, it would only fill our lives with more things. It's so difficult to find the space, the time to spend with you. But not time we spend with you talking, time we spend with you being in your presence. Forgive us the fact that we have so often lost that connection to you. That our lives are so busy and our routines are so set that we think we don't, that we don't need you in them because we are so used to doing everything. We want to create space in our lives for you to enter. We want to stop just talking about allowing you in and we want to allow you to really come into our lives. Help us, each one of us, in this week ahead. Help us find the space to breathe. Help us to start a rhythm of coming into your presence and being there. And then when you really start moving in our lives, give us the energy and the courage through your spirit to hear and to do the things you ask of us. We love you, Lord God. Our lives would mean nothing without you. Forgive us that we forget that. Help us to remember that in the week ahead, in the weeks ahead. We love you. Thank you that we are able to pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Saviour, 
you, God, who became flesh, who understands how difficult things can be for us, and yet who redeemed us, so that we are not limited by the flesh we live in, that we can strive higher, but only when we spend time with you. Amen. Thanks, guys. I think there's more coffee. There's definitely more muffins and um, cupcakes. So please grab one. Yeah. Yeah.